You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 176, covering Past Tense, Parts 1 and 2. Hi friends, it's us again. Hey folks. Al and Matt, the hosts of the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. You may have heard of it. The show that you are listening to right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I want this this opening segment to be fifty five minutes long because yeah. I don't want to talk about this episode. So how are you doing, Al? How's things going on over there? Oh well, I, I as I mentioned last week, I just moved. We're all yep. settled into our new place. Everything's good. How about you? Oh, pretty good. Good. Glad uh, to hear it. Getting ready to have a garage sale next weekend. Uh, you mean a garbage sale? No, I don't. Oh, right. I make I make it a point never to steal jokes from moms. Only dad jokes. Only steal strong bad's moms jokes. Yes. Gotcha. And then sell them at a premium. Yes. Premium saltines. Yes. I, I don't know what that means. I don't either. That's okay. I really don't want to talk about this episode. And no. I say episode singular because it's a two-parter. It's really uh, just one Yeah, episode, it, uh, the, but... the only thing worse than, like, a regular shitty episode is this extremely long, shitty episode. I get so many problems with this. I, I mention, well, in my notes I say I could name 20 bad things. I could literally name 20 bad things. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed. And But, uh, you know, not everyone agrees. Uh, regular guest Flonk has chimed in and said we're crazy, that this is a great episode, but... Uh, yeah, well, he doesn't have a show, so he's the crazy one. Yeah, he, he only gets on once a year, and uh, I think he's already been on this season, so... Yep. Uh, yeah. But I hated it. Uh-huh. Absolutely hated it. Why don't you uh, tell us about part one? Why don't I indeed? So, the Defiant and literally everyone ever is all visiting Earth to have some sort of boring formal dinner or whatever. Unfortunately, a transporter accident results in much more boring things when Cisco, Julian, and Dax are beamed into an early 21st century sky train station in Vancouver. Cisco and Julian are arrested by uncaring bureaucracy, while Dax is found by a rich subway-riding millionaire. So while Cisco and Julian are processed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, and numbered, Dax's friendly millionaire lines her up with with a job and a cushy place to stay. It really is all about who you know. Ben and Julian are left in a sanctuary, a planned community for San Francisco's unwanted. The Dims, the Gimmies, the Ghosts, the Pookies, the Targs, and the Fracken Toasters. <laughs> Julian is attacked by a man in a hat, and Cisco has a hard time getting eggs, and we all learn a little bit more about how homelessness are, pe- are people too. Then Julian accidentally gets Gabriel Bell, a famous revolutionary, killed, and Cisco identity thefts him. The crap in the hat <clears throat> takes some people hostage, and Cisco tries to stop it with his new stolen identity. He also illegally buys a giant TV. Back in the Defiant O'Brien techno babbles for 30 straight minutes. A new record! Congratulations, Chief. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and summarize part two, and we can just discuss this whole mess as one giant mess and not two individual messes. Two small messes. Right. So uh, Bashir Cisco, now posing as Gabriel Bell, and terrible guy with a hat, whose name is apparently BC, and that just makes me want to hate him just a little bit more, have now secured the processing center. Bell's friend, the gimme named Webb, proceeds to make demands to the cops because apparently the Bell riots were actually orchestrated by a dipshit in a hat and represented to the outside world by this dude, Webb. But somehow history commemorates the incident by naming it for a guy who barely had anything to do with it. 
Lots and lots and lots and lots of hand-wringing speeches along the lines of how could people treat human beings like this and I'm so glad we've solved this problem in the perfect future happen. Did I say lots and lots and lots and lots? I meant lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. Meanwhile, Kira and O'Brien beam to different time periods to look for their wayward crewmates. Wacky fish-out-of-water shenanigans ensue. Back in the near future of the distant past, everything unfolds exactly like we knew it would at the beginning of Part 1 because that's how time travel stories work in Star Trek. As things start start escalating, BC gives his hat to a kid, which I think is supposed to be touching and meaningful because who doesn't get choked up seeing one unfamiliar and profoundly unlikable character give the worst part of his terrible costume to another unfamiliar character? Then the government charges in and Cisco pretends that Bell died in the chaos just like the real Bell did. Everything returns to the now restored future, only now the history books have a picture of Cisco where Bell should be. Meanwhile, in 1994, a young Ron Watt turns off the first episode of Deep Space Nine he's ever seen, convinced that those reports of the show actually being quite good are entirely unfounded. Oh my god. I don't blame you for not watching DS9 for as long as you did. If this was the first episode you saw, this is garbage. Yeah, and in fact, I stuck with both parts. I was like, okay, well, this isn't very good, but obviously the, the payoff will be great. I but, mean, like, it's got to get better, right? Yeah. Now, the, the, main, the main thing is that there's nothing particularly inherent to our characters. Like, you could easily have switched Bashir, Dax, Cisco. You could have thrown O'Brien in there. Like, anybody could be in any position, and there's nothing... Like, there's nothing Cisco about what Cisco does. There's nothing nope. Bashir... I mean, Bashir does some medical stuff, but... Yeah, but, I mean, you know. you, he spends most of the episode... It's like you said to me. He spends most of the episode just doing whatever Cisco tells him to. Right. And sort of wandering around. And the weird thing is the actor sees this as sort of a turning point for Bashir. Like, this is where the new Bashir starts. And, like, all he does is what he's told. Yeah. Like... Like, when Cisco has to leave the scene to go take care of something, he'll hand his stupid shotgun off to Bashir and say, mm-hmm. you, you watch. <laughs> watch the store. I'll be right back. Yeah, that that's it. Like, it's... It, here, here's some eggs. <laughs> It's just, there's, there's nothing. So as my first episode, this didn't win me over on the characters because they weren't particularly doing anything interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's yet another, let's go back in time and fix things that we messed up. It's like I said in my summary, when you have a character laying out the way history is supposed to be, and then they change it all back to the way it's supposed to be. It's like you've just outlined the plot for me, and now I'm just watching it happen. Yeah, it's all about watching everything you said fall into place. Right, and there's no danger that it's going to go wrong, because we know it's not. Mm-hmm. And there's no interesting twists, because you already told us what happens. Like, yep. There's ways to withhold information or make it interesting, and they didn't do that. No. They just, oh, I got so many problems See, with this. See, the weird thing is, like, they set Bell up as this huge, like... Important. Well, they call it the Bell Riots. It's, yeah, it's, the, it's his it's, thing. Yeah. And we meet the guy for all of about four minutes. He has two lines in the entire episode. Like, if you want us to care about him, like, this dude should have been in the entire... This dude should have been in both episodes. He should have been a huge... He should have been hat guy, frankly. <laughs> you mean Frank Military? Yeah. You mean Bipple? Bipple. <laughs> what, what, what was his actual name? We got a little carried away with... I think it's... The, his actual name was Bibble. I Yeah. It's just, it's bad. But we'll, we'll get to Hat Guy in a minute. We should talk about this Bell thing. Okay. Yeah, it's it's called the Bell Riots. Mm-hmm. He's he's this, like, huge figure in, in future history. Like, he helped change things. Okay. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Good storytelling is show, don't tell. All they mm-hmm. did was tell. Yep. We, all, all we saw was him get killed. And that's all the first part of this episode really was. 
Yeah, was Bashir saying, oh, I don't know anything about the past? And Cisco said, like, well, good let, thing I know lots about the past. Let me tell you. And, you know, I'm, I was glad at first that one character out of all Star Trek ever doesn't know about Earth's history, but that was just a narrative device so the other guy could explain it to him. Yeah. So, just just awful. It's just, it's like they're just passing the ball back and forth between exposition and technobabble. No, no, you forgot preaching. Oh, yes, and preaching. Let's not, let's not, uh... There is an agonizingly long scene. It's it's the main sort of layout, the exposition scene between Cisco and Bashir as they're walking around in the past. For 20 and, minutes. And Cisco's explaining. Well, it goes on for actually a full five minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot. But in a, in a TV episode, it's an eternity. Mm-hmm. And it is literally just the two of them walking around this this horrible, cheesy backlot set. But that, you know, that's that's not... Like the show did the best they could do, mm-hmm. but and and just saying, how did how did people let it get like this? And why can't people treat the homeless better? And I can't believe the past was really this brutal. It just like oh, and they have this they have this smug future man thing that we talked about in in next gen that we hated. Yeah, but it's like okay, I I get. When you do an episode where you say war is bad, let's all stop war. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure there's nobody in the world who is pro-homeless. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of us everywhere yep. are, don't look at a, a human being living in their own filth and saying, good, this all checks out. This is exactly <laughs> the way I want it to be. Nobody thinks this is a good idea, but it, they, they don't present any kind of solution. All they yeah. say is... Putting them in an area where they have shelter to sleep in and get free food is not the answer. Well, all right, it sounds like better than what we got now. Yeah, like I, I mean, say what you do, what you will about the sanctuaries. They have housing and food. Yeah, they are they are issued government food every day. Right yeah. now, we don't do that for our homeless. I don't know about Canada, but we don't do that here. We definitely don't do that. Yeah, they they're forced to scrounge for their own food, dig it out yep. of trash cans, or get money from people or whatever. But mm-hmm. they don't just get a government card that gives them food. That that seems like a step up to me. Yeah. But, At least someone's helping. Yeah. And yeah, they are locked into this sanctuary, and I get that. They're not allowed to leave or whatever, but but they're given buildings with shelter, which mm-hmm. is more than they get now. I don't know. It's just, first of all, it wasn't presented as particularly worse than now. Second, they didn't offer any kind of solution. They're just like, this sure is bad. We sure do treat the homeless bad. It's like, well, what the fuck did you do where there's not homeless anymore? Well, we invented replicators. Yeah. Well, that doesn't help us. And then, on top of all that, okay, so we've established in Trek history that at some point after this, there's going to be a war, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to live in their own filth for a while. That's what they call the post-atomic horror. Yep, that's how we got to uh, the time period from uh, First Contact. Right. and Not uh, much better, very similar jackets. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like all this social change happened that then got wiped out, and then we had to rebuild anyway. Mm-hmm. But still, somehow, this caused Starfleet never to exist. Uh-huh. I don't fucking... Ugh. It's like, okay, remember how creepy that was in Sitting on the Edge of Forever? Let's just do it again. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't really work here. No. So every time a social, like a, a crusader for social justice dies, Starfleet stops existing? Yeah, apparently Starfleet, it's just, it's a, Starfleet is kept around by a very pre- precarious amount of very easy to kill revolutionaries. Yeah. Edith Keeler, Gabriel Bell, and probably like a hundred others just like yep. them. Well, I mean, there needs to be at least one for every Star Trek series. So well, obviously, I mean, we haven't, even got, we haven't even gotten to that in uh, in uh, New Trek yet. 
No, they, they you know, and and the problem they have there is as movies they have to do big blockbuster stuff and they may never mess around with this yeah. kind of thing, but uh good. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, just the thing is the original series did this. They did this ham-fisted, like, you know, we should fix our problems things. And we hated it there, too. Mm-hmm. But at least there was some allegory there. At least it was like, okay, but here's at least an alien culture that represents this. This is literally just the thing they're talking about. This is the very near future where everything is very recognizable, only bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't... Uh... It's it's not only this is actually my bad thing like of of many, <laughs> <laughs> but this is your official bad thing. Yeah, it's not only the worst DS Nine episode ever. There there may be one or two like uh, the the one with Quark that we've mentioned off mic. Yeah, might be might be up there. There's one with Kira that involves time travel that that's pretty bad. But but this one's way the hell up there for me. It's worse to me than like Move Along Home because Move Along Home was at least a goofy slightly interesting premise that was just dumb yeah at least it didn't tell us that board games are bad no i mean they are but you know but we already knew that but it's also like the most heavy-handed track episode ever it's i, I like this is worse than the omega glory mm-hmm. like it's worse than here are the communists and the yang keys oh god i mean that was terrible but at least it was an alien culture this is just the thing that it is like there's no there's no sci-fi on it no nope. Uh, Star Trek, you're better than this. That's what I'm saying. Just, God, it's garbage. Yep. What it's... What did you pick as a bad thing? Oh, God, where to start? What did I pick? Hang on. I mean, for, uh, for part one, we got, we got okay, two Okay, well, let's start with episodes. part I, I talked about the amount of technobabble and exposition dumping in this episode. It's It's ridiculous. Every time we go back to O'Brien and Kira on The Defiant, it's just another four minutes of O'Brien... Listing things that don't exist and why they're the reason that stuff is different now. Yep. And I understand narratively they want to cut away from Cisco and Bashir every now and then. Mm-hmm. But then you should give Kira and O'Brien something to do more than stand around and explain. Nope. Just standing around. Well, what if this happened? Well, the padding on the thing broke down and now there's a layer of something that's not. And it's... chronotons. Let's not forget the chronotons. It's... There, there's so much contrivance that has to happen. There's so many things that need to happen to, to set up this episode that it feels like all that technobabble is trying to justify it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, the reason they got to beam back in time is because this and this and this. And the reason we can't find them... And the reason we can see all of this happening... Yeah. Which is fucking bullshit. Okay, so... Uh, Bell gets killed, which then wipes out Starfleet in the future... The Defiant is still okay because, what, they're in a bubble? They're in a bubble. Okay, fine. A time bubble. Sure. Because when Cisco brought the new ship by, he said, yes, it's got it's got armor, it's got a cloaking device, and it's got a time bubble. He, mm-hmm. he totally set that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but That's why they had that Romulan around, to uh, keep an eye on the time bubble. Right. Because Romulans are always dealing with time bubble technology. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a cornerstone of their culture. Oh, yeah. But, okay... In I, th- this is one of those sort of nerdy nitpick things, but uh, the way time travel works in Star Trek, if something changes in the past, that changes the future. All right, mm. I get that. But like in First Contact, Earth was all borged up, and the only way it could change back is if the Enterprise went back in time and fixed it. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, Bashir and Cisco are already there. Cisco's already posing as Bell. Mm-hmm. 
this all already happened. They don't need to send anyone to fix it. It's already being fixed. Yeah. So from the perspective of the Defiant, it's already been fixed and Earth is already back to normal. Yeah. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Like no, I do. I it's I mean, it's ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense, but no. like, it's and time travel. I, well, but time travel at least needs to follow some kind of internal logic. And this doesn't. No. Like, when, when you see something changed, that is your impetus to then go back in time and fix it. Mm-hmm. But if it's already being fixed by people who are already back in time, then it there's it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Their their whole driving force should have been, we lost Cisco Bar- Bashir and Dax. We need yeah. to find them. You in don't need time. that additional. Yeah, we, but no. Don't... We also on top of everything else, the Federation can't exist anymore. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. Gotta have more peril. <sighs> what about the deadly danger? What if Starfleet doesn't exist except for this one ship? Well, then we've already done that in several episodes. What if that, Al? What if? What if that? Just... Did you manage to find a good thing in part one? I did find a good thing. There's a nice scene right at the beginning when uh, when Quark, in a cameo appearance, <laughs> uh, calls up the Defiant to uh, get uh, Cisco to do a little uh, finagling for the uh, for the Grand Nagus. Ferengi finagling? Ferengi-nagling. Right. No, it's uh it's it's a fun little scene where it's like it's clear Cisco is getting more into Ferengi culture now and yeah. not just dismissing them offhandedly racist like everyone does now. Because if there's two things that Cisco's clearly into in this episode, it's Ferengi culture and Earth culture. Yeah, apparently. Earth he's history. been uh he's been doing a lot of uh history reading lately. <laughs> reading a lot of Ferengi historical fiction. God. Which is a concept I want to explore more now. <laughs> Ferengi fanfic. Oh no! Ferengi so, slash fic. So many laser whips. Yep. Um, but no, it's it's a nice little scene. You're right. Yeah. And uh, it it establishes that the Nagus is actually sort of an important figure, and Cisco owes him a favor, and mm-hmm. it's like you know bail my nephew out of jail or whatever, and it's just yeah. it's a nice, it's a nice little like sort of building the gradual friendship of Cisco and and Quark, but also. Yeah. Quark not really, you know, yeah, it's changing. A good, it, it's a good scene. It's funny. There's yep. a nice shot of Odo looking embarrassed, like, oh, no, my wife's calling me at work. <laughs> well, it's because Quark called, you know, they're, they're going to Starfleet for this super important, like, security thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And somebody calls on an emergency channel from the station. It's like, shit, are the, are the Dominion here? No. Who's just... calling me? Everyone I know is here. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned that in your summary that, that everyone's there. Yeah. But it's because it's the, they're going to go talk about the Dominion in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. No, that made sense after it's like, oh, no, they're there for a reason. They got Odo there because he is a changeling. They got Kira there because it's her station. Right. Not entirely sure why Julian's along, but whatever. Uh, he's been. They've all been to the Gamma Quadrant. Ah. So, you know. And he studied firsthand. He studied that Jem'Hadar. So he's got, ah. like... Special knowledge of, of the enemy that nobody else has. All right, fine. So there's one thing not wrong about this episode. <laughs> no, the, the the basic setup of them being at Earth made sense. But so? Yeah. And the basic setup of them going to San Francisco, the only city on Earth, mm-hmm. made sense. But it's, Even though it looked like a back lot, it seriously looks exactly like Vancouver. I don't think the shooting in Vancouver was a big deal yet then. Mm. 
not X-Files like it is was now. Just starting, so yeah. But X Files moved to Vancouver in like its third season or something. No, no, it started in Vancouver. Are you sure? Oh yeah, they they must have moved to L A. at some point. They did they move moved... to L A. in like the fifth yeah. season. Or no, something. I know they moved so... in the middle. I thought they started somewhere and went to Vancouver. But... No, okay. Even still, trust me. If there's one thing I know, it's how much time uh, the X Files spent in Vancouver. <laughs> that was really important to me back oh, then, I, un- undoubtedly. But um, Star Trek has always shot, I, you know, they, they rarely go on location, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they shoot on the Paramount backlot. So, you know, yeah, that's what this clearly, it was like, it, it, not Hill Valley, but something like that, some standing city set that they just, you know, put a couple of boards in the windows and there, homeless people. Live <laughs> Might as well have been Hill Valley. Yeah. No, <laughs> that would be in Hill Valley. That would have been interesting. Biff, Biff horrific Hill Valley. Oof. That's what they, that's the official name of it. That's terrible. Yes, it is. I, I prefer to call it Hell Valley, like that sign that Marty sees. Yeah. But uh, This episode needed some biff. Yeah, it did. I wish he'd been that millionaire. Well, he definitely had that, it's the near future, we're going to guess about the way things are vibe yep. that, that Back to the Future 2 had, but it, only not fun. Nope. Like, all the terrible slang, and you talked about this in your summary. Oh yeah, the dims, the, gr- the gimmies, the ghosts. The Tranks Lobos and Zip Heads. Just they, terrible. They think he's an outrageous dude. <laughs> there's a there's a point where okay, Dick Miller's in this. He's uh-huh. he's if if you don't know who he is, Google him. You'll you'll see. He, you know who he is. You know who he is. He's in every Joe Dante movie for one thing. He's in a lot of Roger Corman movies. He's he's just he was he's that old guy who's been in everything. Mm-hmm. And he was you know it's nice seeing him. But um, he's he's got a line where. He's like trying to get someone to believe, you know, you, you better wake up, pal. He says, you better check your email, pal. You know, like people say. Oh, God. You and better check your email, pal. It's said in the year 2024. So, you uh-huh. know, we still have 10 years to get there, I guess. Yeah. But that those... definitely seems like something we're going to start saying, right? Oh, sure. Well, maybe now. Yeah. You got to check your email. It's, it's like a, you know, it's like a reality check, only an email. Actually, he's right. I do have to check my email. Hold on a second. See, I have mine up all the time, so, you know. Uh, Let's see. Oh, there's one from you here. Don't forget to watch episode. Well, I can probably delete that. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of that. The computer terminals look horrible. The giant built-into-the-desk computer terminals? Oh, my God. Like, and this was 1994, Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure computers already didn't look like that. Like, they, they just... It wasn't very good. I mean, we still had box, like, box computers, right? But, like... Yeah, but these were all one piece. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, um, I guess, like, like the original Mac-ish, yeah. kind of? Or, like, um, I'm trying to think. There was a model of computer that did that, but I can't remember. No, no, I think it. you're thinking of the Mac. No, it's not. It's not the Mac, because this one had the keyboard built in, and... Oh, okay. I don't know. When I When I worked for the government, we had computers like this early on, and mm. they were super archaic then. It was actually right around this time. Oh. Right around the early 90s. Maybe they were filming at your job. No. That would have been more interesting. I would have remembered that. And I was a government bureaucrat. <laughs> just, uh, but yeah, the, the I will say the fashions, not for the homeless guys, because that was stupid and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the, the rich people fashions were kind of cool. Like what they did up Dax in was this sort of pseudo Blade Runner Japanese inspired, a little bit of steampunk Oh man, I don't know what she, what it was, but she looked fucking gorgeous. In yeah, this episode. no, they her and the rest of the people had that similar look, and it actually uh-huh. I kind of like that aesthetic. That, yeah, that like future, you know, based on what we think from the early '90s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I didn't mind that. But and her uh, millionaire Rick Astley looking boyfriend. <laughs> he looked like he was trying so hard to look like David Bowie and just couldn't pull it off. That was it. Yep. But there's, oh, that... there's, a, there's an element of Rick Astley there as well. Yeah. Well, he had the Rick Astley haircut. Yep. And he and... did say he was never going to give her up. Never That's true. Her down. That poor guy. He was clearly trying to have sex with her. Yep. And it just wasn't happening. He got her a hotel room. Got her a hotel room for five days. Okay, so the writers say this was a subtle, like they were they were subtly dealing with racism as well because mm-hmm. the two brown guys got mistreated, but the but the white girl didn't. Okay, circumstantially they beamed to a different place. Yeah, and she beamed to like that that had nothing to like it wasn't there was nothing about them being brown that had anything to do with it. In fact, most of the fights they got in in the sanctuary were like pretty evenly matched yeah. uh, uh, ethnic wise. Like, like there, there were just as many be... black people as yeah. white people in there. Yeah. So it wasn't like all the white people were picking on the brown people. It was they, it was just bullshit for them to say that it had something to do with race because it totally didn't. It just feels like the uh, oh yeah, also racism is the mm. thing we were dealing with. No. That's but it, bad too. No, it was about it was about class. It was about rich people and poor people. It yeah. was you know the. Because they they would cut from these scenes where people were warming their fingerless gloved hands over trash cans to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Dax in this, like, beautiful penthouse. Oh, this penthouse is so decadent. I mean, they gave her a monocle for some reason. More canapes, if you please. (laughs) Oh, those three plumbers are here to fix the sink (laughs) during my important party. I certainly hope nothing goes wrong. Yes, that is exactly what happened. She was staying with Margaret Dumont. (laughs) Yes, I know Margaret Dumont was Mark's Brothers and not Three Stooges, but I don't think the Three Stooges had a regular uh, dowager. Matt, man, I just totally fixed this episode. Yep. Now you turn this, only you bring O'Brien with the other two, and then yep. they're, they're the three plumbers. Yeah. Now listen up, you chowderheads. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if Colmini let his curly hair grow out, it would totally uh, look like Larry. I'm a victim of circumstances. Ow, 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 ow. Nyock, nyock. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> the, the homeless guys in this episode, all, there were a couple of exceptions, but mostly they look like pretty actors who smeared a little dirt on their faces. Yep. Like their, their clothes were new and clean. Their hair was well done. They clearly had bathed. Like well, there was most no attempt. Of their hair was well done. Well, most. You, but you we know haven't I mean. gotten to him yet. It was it was washed and combed. Yes. But but yeah. Oh, and that guy. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Let's talk about that guy. Let's talk about Hat Guy. Uh, wasn't that your bad thing for part two? Uh, it might be. Uh, hang on. Let me check. I believe, There's so yes. many bad things. Yeah, I know. Let's see. Uh, no. Oh. Although I do hate Hat Guy. Let's talk about Hat Guy. All right. So in part one, we got we got Julian and, and Cisco trying to find a place to sleep. Yeah. And everyone turning them away. And then they go to this alley and this gang of guys wearing hats. It's like it's like if the if one of the gangs from the Warriors had no imagination. <laughs> hey, hats. Let's all wear stupid hats. Yeah, and, and they look like Fedora douche bros, like that yeah. kind of hat. Yeah. Um I, I, so they're beating a guy up, and they're like, you just keep moving along. Brut- br- I, I want to be clear on this, too. Brutally beating this guy up. Yeah, to take his food card. Yeah. Which they're all issued one. Mm-hmm. Everybody get gets food. a food card, which means everybody gets to eat every day. Yeah, except they want everyone's food card because they're the hungry, hungry hat guys, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. 
Or it might just be some dog in the manger bullshit where they don't want anyone else to have food. <laughs> no, it's not that we want your food. We don't want you to have food. We want the good food. Yeah. If you no, get it's... there early, you get the chicken wings. Don't eat my chicken wings. <laughs> that would have made this better if King Bubs Gonzola showed up. <laughs> so, fucking... We... But yeah, that's the first time we see him. Yeah, so hat gu- the hat guys are led by hat guy. His name is BC, Bibble uh-huh. something or other. Something. Yeah. I'll be uh, clear on this, though. His first name is Bibble. Yes. So the second time we, we get this fight going with yep. the real Gabriel Bell, who ends up being killed by this guy, uh-huh. by BC. Guy stabs him in the gut. Yeah, and it's not like a, he, he's backed against the wall and he had his knife drawn. Like He no. clearly goes in to stab him on purpose. Yep. Okay. Then uh, Bashir tries to save him by uh, pounding on his chest. Yeah, doing that. Live, damn you, live! Apparently, thinking that in the f- that much like in the future, people in the past have a restart button on their chest that you just need to hit a few times. <laughs> now you know. Live. Look, if his heart stopped, that's one thing. But he's been stabbed in the gut. There's there's clearly more going on than just his heart stopping. Yes. But okay, so this guy, in cold blood, murdered this uh, key. Historical figure whose uh-huh. death causes society to collapse. Yeah. So this is this is how part one ends. Yeah. Nice in, job, hat guy. In part two, he's he's up there in the processing center with them, and he's, he's suddenly a sympathetic character. There, they are. The, I, we were reading the notes on Memory Alpha, and they were desperately like trying to make this guy a sympathetic character. It's like, well, we had a whole backstory for him and everything. It's like, listen, I mean, yeah, he's a murderer, but. What if he wasn't a murderer? He'd just be a normal guy like you and me. I'm like, yeah, but he's still a murderer. He killed that guy. And it's not, was... don't blame his circumstances, because we met a lot of decent people and, who aren't murderers. Yeah, like Webb. Cisco spends the entire second episode trying to keep him from shooting people with a shotgun. Yeah, apparently that was Bell's main role in all this, was keeping the hostages safe, which yeah. is good. I don't think that's worth naming the whole incident after him. No. But it is definitely an important part of it. Well, like his deal was he kept all these people alive and then sacrificed himself. Right. So which that is, no one died. Which, if you're looking at this from a historical perspective, is definitely important because mm. these guys make an important point without any bloodshed. That's good. Yeah. That's that's That means their cause means something and it's not just crazy people killing people. Yeah. But it doesn't mean, like, Webb did all the thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hat Guy did all the, you know, actual taking over of things. Yeah. So but, what did Gabriel Bell do? Uh, he just protected the hostages. That was I, it. Yeah. He's like a middleman. But anyway. So, yeah, uh, Hat Guy the whole time. And, okay. He looks... How how best to describe him apart from the hat? I Well, uh, the problem is the hat just... Well, he takes it off at one point. He does take it off, but then he's just Guy. But he's still got that punchable face. Oh, God. He has such... Okay, so he has the most punchable face imaginable. Yeah. J- like, he's always... His mouth is always in, like, an O. Yep. And it's always open. He's He's got the look of a villain. Yeah. Like, a typical street thug level, not outthink you villain, but just show up and close your youth center villain. He, he looks like the second guy in a gang. Yep. Not he the looks main like, guy. No, 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 no. But he, he looks like when you get to, like, RoboCop 5. Yeah. And you can't get, like, a cool, you know, villain that's a, another robot to fight RoboCop or even a ninja assassin who's described as doing lots of backflips. <laughs> you get this guy. Like, Just, he's he, he's got that look. Yeah. That I'm an early 90s villain look. Yes. Yeah, early 90s, tough. And then 
Oh, okay, then there's his voice. He Tim- sounds like he's pitched down for something. Yes! I spent the entire episode when I was watching it by myself like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy's voice? And then we watched it together and I was like, it sounds like he's pitched down, but he isn't. I'm like, thank you! Yeah, I don't think they had the technology to, to do that, like, well back then. No. So I'm, I'm 90% sure they didn't. No. Hey, but he's like, and then he's got the, the tough Brooklyn accent. So, and, hey, hey, new boy, what hey, you doing? Hey, listen, you, you guys. I'm gonna... I'm gonna kill everyone because I got a chip on my shoulder. Hey, I could be a different person if I wasn't, but I'm not. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And the actor's name? Frank Military. (laughs) (laughs) Just awful. It's like, it's like, oh, God. That's like the last touch. Yep. Just, and this is Frank Military. Hey, how you guys doing in here? (laughs) I looked him up on Wikipedia. Wikipedia said, who the fuck is that? Were you looking for actual military? <laughs> Were you looking for frankness in the military? <laughs> so yeah, it just just a terrible character. And and again, in part two, he's meant to be sort of the face or one of the faces of of these poor people that we're supposed to sympathize with. Yeah. And I just could not give you less of a fuck. You can't sympathize with this guy because every time he opens his mouth, he says something stupid. He's he's belligerent belligerently sarcastic yep he's a murderer and he's half the time he's the tension that's keeping the scene from like the characters are trying to get from point a to point b and he's the obstacle hey you ain't doing that Uh, you can't go over there point b is my point yeah this is this is for the hats listen asshole you're trying to get into something owned by the hungry hungry hat guys and then, there, like I said, there's that scene where he hands off his hat to Webb's kid, like uh-huh. it's supposed to mean something. Who well, he's passing the torch. Yeah, what torch? I've never heard of this guy before, and it, I'll never hear of him again. Here you go, kid. Wow, thanks. Yeah, it, it now played, you can be a belligerent, loud asshole. It, it played like that scene from Indy and the Last Crusade, where uh-huh. someone gives the hat to Indy. But we established in two previous movies that that hat is an important part of Indy. Mm-hmm. This means nothing to any. Like we don't know who this kid is. We, ah, uh, yeah, just just awful. Um, what else do we got? Let's see. We talked about your good thing for part one, your bad thing for part one. Okay, my good thing for part one. Yeah, Dax actually rolls with the whole time travel thing really, really well. Oh yeah, she was great in this. She well, she was greater in part one than she was in part two. But but yeah, she like wakes up and someone finds her and she immediately susses out that she's in the past, that she shouldn't give out any information, but that she also shouldn't look like a shifty liar. Yeah. And she does a great job of sort of following the flow of the conversation and trying to fit in without, you know. While picking up, like, new information and stuff. Yeah. No, it's typically the move is to have the characters dart their eyes from side to side and go, yeah, that's what I am. Yeah. And she didn't do that. She, there was some subtlety there. It was actually good. Yeah, there's no... Ah, I see you noticing my friend's ears. He had an incident Mechanical rice picker. Ri- mechanical rice picker. Yeah, not, none of that. No mechanical rice picker here. No. Nope. good. But Just, no, she does, a, she does a genuinely good job. She she flirts a little, but not so much that she gets herself into a situation where, she, you know, the dude's going to fall in love with her. Yeah. But just enough that she can get what she wants. Like, it's... it's I don't know. I like it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really... No, she did, she does a she does a good job. This is the this is the Dax that we like. That's true, and there's very little of her around right now. So R- resourceful Dax. Yeah, take it where I can get it. Yeah, 
so yeah, her and Dick Miller are about it. Mm-hmm. And Dick, Dick Miller wasn't even that great in this. It's just, hey, it's Dick Miller. <laughs> I know that guy. He's been in stuff I actually like. On the Not other like hand, this at all. On the other hand, there was another character actor cameo. Oh no. <laughs> so my my bad thing for uh, part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a scene where. Dax and Julian have to get Dax's comm badge back from a mentally handicapped uh, Clint Howard. And, wow. There's no, like, there's no challenge there. No. They just say, hey, can you give that back? And he says, okay. And that that's it. End of scene. Yeah, and it's just, it's really embarrassing, though. It is. Like, he's, like, this is not a mentally challenged guy. This is, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But it's bad. Yeah. Apparently, the character was supposed to be played by Iggy Pop, apparently, and I guess they couldn't get him? No, he'll be in another episode later on. Like, is he, like, a big Trek fan or something? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he it was supposed to be him, and instead, like, they couldn't get him, so they went for everyone's favorite number two, Clint Howard. <laughs> number two of the two Howard boys. Definitely. Ugh. Yeah. Not good. Um, apparently in Enterprise, they cast him as a Ferengi, which to me is just perfect. Yep. But, but... Yeah. The only person who looks better with the makeup on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Armin Shimmerman. Being mean to Clint Howard. Well, come on. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Low-hanging Johnny Bark. <laughs> this is Tranya. He should have just had the Baylock puppet there in the corner. Like, yeah, that would have been fine. You want this- your jewelry back? Just a just uh, Clint Howard with a Baylock puppet sitting on his lap. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. So then, Baylock puppet. And then, um, and then Bashir would have to like th- you know like bluff about Corbamite to get their yep. communicator back. That would have been great. No, nope. no, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an awful scene. Instead, it's just about tricking a mentally handicapped guy. Yeah, not good. <sighs> really? Yeah. And then they sort of leave smiling and laughing. Ah, we had fun. Yep. Maybe, uh, you thing. maybe you could have paid him something. Nah. He clearly needs money. So uh, where did uh, Bashir and Cisco's communicators go? They somebody... were stolen off camera. Yeah, somebody took them before they woke up. Yep. And they're still there. There's highly advanced technology just hanging out in the past. Mm-hmm. No problem. And apparently at one point they trade their uniforms, too. Now, their uniforms are probably just cotton or something, but they might be special space fighters. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. know. Yeah. So that's I, that's I mean, I wouldn't like to have to wear them all the time, and all the cast of every Star Trek ever has complained about wearing those uniforms. So yeah. they probably process sweat or something at least. I don't know. I mean, you would think they're specially made for like going to different environments, and I I don't know. Yeah. But regardless, it's more relics from the the future that you shouldn't be leaving behind. Yeah, it's like history is just scattered with left behind communicators. Yep. I would have loved to have seen an episode about that on some Star Trek. Or it's just like, holy crap, someone's been, like, these communicators have been floating around Earth since the 30s. Well, it could be like, uh, they, they did a thing like that in Doctor Who, where, like, there's a there's a group monitoring, like, that has assembled all the evidence that the Doctor exists. Yeah. I, like, that that could be an interesting thing, like a some kind of a, like, lone gunman type group. Who's like assembled all the Star Trek relics that have been left behind? Like, well, the, this must mean this, and this must, you know, that could be interesting. Crap, that sounds really cool. Better than this. So we're gonna start working on our Trek novel. Yeah. In general, I just I don't like 
I don't care for time travel episodes. I say that, but there's two in DS9 that I actually do like. There's, oh, yeah. There's the Tribble one, which isn't really a spoiler. We've talked about that one a lot. Yep. And then there's another one, which oddly enough uh, involves Cisco being in another time period and dealing with a social issue, and that one's done really, really well. It's, that is a great... Uh, that's yeah. a great... Uh... That is everything this one wasn't. Yeah. Because it was character-driven, because... It, it dealt with a lot of sort of things outside of what it was dealing with. Like it wasn't just straight up about racism. There was a lot of like, I, I don't know. I don't want to spoil the episode, but no. but there's a lot more going on in that one. Every Like everything it sort of talks about in this episode is done a thousand times better. Yeah. And it's not done over and over and over again. No, it doesn't is, preach. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, my bad thing for part two was, um, the sanctuary districts are supposed to be these impenetrable, escape-proof, like, concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And that's before the hostage situation, when the place is surrounded by SWAT teams. It should be just like a fortress at that point. Yeah. Dax just crawls in through the uh, sewers. Just pops out of a manhole, because nobody ever thought that the hole into the ground that leads into the tunnels that go under could be a way in or out. Thanks, turtles. What? No, she doesn't have toes for thumbs. That's true. Ugh. Yep. Enjoy that. Uh, damn it, aren't I mad enough? <laughs> nope. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, it, it just, it, it was like, it was sloppy storytelling. You should yeah. have had her doing some Dax thing. Yeah. To get in there instead of just like, oh. And she has some line of dialogue about, oh, I, I disabled the sanitation departments, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Who what, cares? Whatever. Yeah, it just, it was, it was sloppy. Yeah. There's all this space where people are just talking at each other, where you could be filling it with, with you know, interesting Problem solving? Things. Yeah, problem yeah. solving. That'd be nice, right? Yeah, instead of talking about how they're going to solve the problem, mm-hmm. actually do it. Uh, what was your good thing in part two? Uh, oh, yeah. So we have the guy that plays Webb, mm-hmm. uh, who I actually liked quite a bit. Yeah. I, he he a a dec- he I think good. he does a decent job playing sort of the face of the revolution. I, I would say apart from Dick Miller, who, again, I like because he's Dick Miller, mm-hmm. he's the only one in the past who's actually kind of an interesting character and not a bad actor. Yeah. Although uh, Dax's friend is okay, too. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, he's got some nice scenes with his son, you know. Yep. Uh, the guys meet him when uh, they go into his building and he's, he's trying to save his kid, mm-hmm. who has actually, that's my quote, so we could play that here. All right. What happened? He was beaten up by some ghosts. Yeah, so he's been beaten up by ghosts. Uh-huh. You know? Ghosts. Uh, Venkman style, apparently. Sure. Or Pac-Man style. Pac-Man style. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, li- I just I like his relationship with his son. I like how he's sort of forced into being, you know, the guy. No, and, and like I said, if these are the Bell Riots, then why is this guy Webb such an important part of it? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you it should be the Web Riots? call them the Web Riots. Yes. Like I, I liked that guy more. He was, he was the face of all this, like you mm. said, and he was charismatic, and he was intelligent, and he was clearly just a guy who was down on his luck, but totally capable of functioning in society. And like, yeah. I, you know, I, I get it. No, there's a, there's actually a scene where uh, Cisco's lecturing Hat Guy on why Webb's supposed to be, you know, the one who goes on camera. He's the face. He's got a family. He right. looks good. Right. He's handsome, attractive, everything you're not. Are you gonna make out with the? Maybe I will. You you had a second good thing listed here as well. Oh yeah, also for someone shoots hat guy. Yeah. That was that was the most rewarding part of all. I I wish we could have spent more time with it. Yep. He just gets kind of blown away. 
No, I should have seen it replay in slow motion, yeah. different angles, you know. Yeah. Or like Fucking, suddenly uh, a time loop happens. I haven't been, I haven't enjoyed someone getting shot this much since Chekhov. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. This is this was delightful. Uh, speaking of Webb, though, he also gets executed at this point, and he doesn't really get much. Like I would have liked, you know. Yeah. A little more of a deal made of that. Yeah. No, and and this is when Bell, the real Bell, actually gets killed, and we see. Like, they, they have the laser sights on the guns, and they clearly shoot Cisco right in the heart. Mm-hmm. And he's still fine. Luckily, I don't have a heart. <clears throat> Wait, yes, I do. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> Hang uh, on, I'll hit his reset button. <clears throat> My good thing for, for part two was uh, when Kira and O'Brien are briefly in the 30s, they're, they're going through different time periods yeah. looking for the guys. Uh, th- there's a poster for a boxing match on the wall, which directly directly references a similar poster in City on the Edge of Forever. So I was briefly allowed to think of an instance when Star Trek dealt with time travel and social issues, and it actually wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. J- just briefly. Also, I like the idea of them being in the like being around in. Uh, yeah, they're on Earth in the same time period that that, that uh, uh, Kirk, Spock, Spock and Bones, and, uh, Bones are. Yep. And Kirk are stuck in. Yep. Uh, Except in, they're in New York, New York so they're not yeah. going to run into each other. The only time someone went go, someone goes to Earth and isn't in San Francisco. Right. Oddly enough, Harlan Ellison wrote it as San Francisco, and they changed it. Mm. No, I don't know. Um, but no, that was it. Was it was a nice little nod. It was the same two boxers that were on a poster in that yeah. episode. It was like their rematch. Oh, like that's they, cool. Like the original one was they fought in Madison Square Garden, and this one said their first match since Madison Square Garden, so it was mm. like a couple weeks later or something. Oh, it was, nice. It was just a nice little subtle reference. As opposed to when they run into the hippies. Oh, my God, that was so fucking bad. They beam in next to a VW bus playing Purple Haze super loud. I think it was, no, it might have been Hey Joe. It was, it was a Hendrix song. Yeah, it's a Hendrix song. Yeah, and it's so loud that they can't hear each other. What? Because People from the future don't understand loud music. I'm not getting any readings. What? And then I the hi- said, yeah. And then the hippies get out of the bus, mm-hmm. looking like the most, the most '90s people dressed as '60s people you would you have ever seen. They look like if you went to Hippie Land at Disneyland. Yeah, this would be the Disney version of hippies. Yeah, which is ironic because Disney used to not let hippies into the park. <laughs> But yeah, it, it looked terrible. They hand, and, uh, they hand uh, Kira and uh, O'Brien a daisy. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is going to be the cover art, because that's sort of a no-brainer. It, it, it's kind of hilarious. It's the that lo- or hat the, guy. The look on O'Brien's face is delightful. Yeah. Because even, he looks embarrassed, like, for us. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I'm in an episode with these two. Uh, but this was one of Colmini's favorite episodes. Because <sighs> they tackle real issues. And it was one of Jonathan Frakes who directed part two, uh, one of his favorite episodes. Oh, my God. I don't get it. Like, a lot of guys thought that they were doing some some good work here. And it was written by, as you pointed out, Baron Wolf, which yes. I never I never realized that was going on. Baron Wolf. I, I were Stephen Baron and uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf. Wolf. Yes, and a wolf. <laughs> a wolf. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, two of the, the uh, on-staff, like, good writers... Who should have fucking known better. Yeah. And they both like patting themselves on the back. Like, yeah, everyone think, you know, like we heard people say it was too preachy, but man, we got to do something about this. I, is it us? Are we wrong? I, apparently, because because Flunk, you know, Flunk's got a decent opinion of Star yeah. Trek and he liked it. I, I don't know. Amanda hated it, too. So that's that. I just again, if you're going to deal with an issue, 
don't shove it. Like, they almost literally looked into the camera and said, why doesn't someone do something about this? Why don't they look? Why don't they look? Why don't they look? Ugh. Yeah. It's just it's... hot garbage water. <laughs> hot garbage water. I fucking... I... Oh. And that title. Oh, yeah. That's fucking terrible. See, because it's tense when they go into the... Pa- do you get it? They did it's that joke pun. with Future Imperfect, and it was funnier then. It's a pun. Fuck you. Yeah. Just uh, I, everything I hate about these episodes can really be summed up with Hat Guy, though. Just he, much like Webb is the face of the revolution, he is the face of my hatred. Yeah, he's he's like he should be a mullety rebel, mm-hmm. except he's not. But he basically is. Yeah, it's, it's he, he's a mullety rebel in all ways, except that he has neither a mullet nor is he a rebel. He does have long hair, though. That's true. Yeah, and uh, that hat, that fucking hat. Ugh. I don't like your hat. Yeah. Well, while, while we're still talking about him, I, let's let's go with my quote, which was what Hat Guy intends to do when these riots are over. We trade the hostages for our freedom. We get amnesty, a handful of credit chips, and a flight to anywhere we want. Personally, I'm thinking Tasmania. Which made absolutely no sense, but... What, Fucking whatever. Whatever. I'm going to Tasmania. I got, I got really upset when characters would say uh well where did they go not where when yeah someone actually said it in this episode yeah a couple of times al you predicted it by like 10 minutes yep well where did they end up not where when Uh... not where whence (laughs) whence whence senior whences (laughs) is that right is that right is that right i also feel like there should be a starfleet procedure for if you find yourself stranded back in time yeah you should have like fake names and backstories ready to go, just like so just you don't in have case, to... yeah, yeah. Because clearly, people always are going back in time. People are going back in time so much that they had to form a uh, a department of Starfleet to deal with it. Yeah, we haven't seen them yet, but we we have touched on the fact that Cisco's now in the history books as Gabriel Bell, and mm-hmm. he's got to answer to someone. Yeah. In a later episode, we'll we'll discover that there's a Department of Temporal Investigations, and actually, there's a there's a series of books about them that have been pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, they they actually have to deal with all this nonsense, yeah. which is which is pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, like I, I like that idea quite a bit. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, Julian keeps trying to save people mm-hmm. with his doctoring because you know interfering in the past is a good idea. You're real not co- real, real not clear on this concept, are you, Julian? Well, he's got the uh, he's got the Hippocratic oath, but you gotta kind of ignore that when you're in the past. Mm-hmm. That's true, man. Which which one of those comes first? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, there must be like an entire class on that at Starfleet Medical. There should be. Um, let's see. What else? Bashir tries to look tough a couple of times. Yeah, he fails because yeah. no one. <laughs> that dude. That dude is many things. Tough is not one of them. Oh, I play tennis. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just watch yourself. I've got a shotgun now, and I know how to wait. Hey, on. give my shotgun back! Hang on, how do I reload it? Where's the safety on this? Here, hold this for a second. I need to study. Hey, where are you going with my shotgun? <laughs> how do I set this to stun? Commander, he took my shotgun. Commander, commander. Ugh, and I talked about this before, but it bears repeating: the terrible future lingo. Mm-hmm. They're always interfacing with the net. They're scrolling up cinemas. <laughs> Fingle dopping. Ah, Sinto Flavo, blah. Ah. And, if, you know, check your email. I said yeah. that already. My nuts? Yes. Mom, my nuts. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. 
uh, dude carries a wallet-sized photo of his family in 2024. From the 80s. Yeah, it looked like they went to Sears in 1987 to have that picture taken. His wife had the most 80s haircut I've ever seen. Yep. Just like that giant bouffant thing. Bouffant. A bouffant. Uh, the, all the all the speeches. The the worst part of it for me was that they didn't present a solution. They're just saying in the magic made up future, all the horrors of modern life are gone. Yeah, we fixed this. Yeah, well, how? bet you wish you lived in the future. Yeah, I, I do, but I don't. That's just such. Uh... Ugh. I hate this episode. I hate both of these episodes. Yeah, like I said, when I tuned in, I thought, oh, good. This this is that new show everyone's talking. I mean, it was in season three. I mm. it was new to me because. Next Gen had just ended not long before, and I was kind of jonesing for Star Trek. This is about okay. a week before uh, Voyager started up, too. Yeah, and I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe I'll like this. Nope. TV Guide actually relentlessly talked about how great the show was. Didn't you Didn't you talk? tell me once about there was like a dude working at TV Guide who clearly loved Star Trek? That must have been it, or it could have been more than one person. Mm. But it was they, they had cover stories on it all the time, and yep. like... For the ratings that it got and for the for the attention that it got, like, in other media, it was very disproportionate. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they did that because that's actually what won me over the second time. Yeah. They talked about the season finale for this season, which was about six months later. It was like, okay, I'll give it one more shot. And it was actually great. Mm-hmm. And then and then that character from Next Gen shows up and it's like, okay, yeah, I, it's I'm, awesome. I'm on board now. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. No, I remember that because I had a very small collection of TV guides with Star Trek stuff in them. Yeah, they had they had a lot of that. They did uh, they did some good uh, specialty issues on them. Yep, that one with the big uh, the big map was always oh, yeah. a favorite. Yeah, that was. That I had was that cool. on my wall for a long time. Me too, actually. Well, I had a whole like my my entire bedroom at one point, and this is when I was like twenty two, like not you know not fourteen or something. Uh-huh. Like I was a grown man at this point. <laughs> my my entire bedroom was covered in nothing but Star Trek stuff. Like you could not see wall. Yep. Yeah, you Star sound Trek a lot like me in uh, me in grade seven. Yeah, except you were in grade seven. Yeah. That's, you know, a little different. Or as we call it in America, seventh grade. Uh-huh. You guys what are weird we, down there. I don't know what we, the deal is. We say it differently. Seventh grade. grade Canadians seven. be like this. Yeah. That's still more interesting than this episode, though. You know what else is more interesting than this episode? Literally um, everything. Well, I'm going back to my old house to do some painting, and watching it dry will be more interesting. <laughs> Just picture you watching, have a little flag. Woo! Yep. Paint drying. Now I'm I gotta write a, a summary. I'm having a very good time. Yep. That's pretty much all I got. Yeah, what about going, you? I think we're going a little short this week, but uh Well, I mean no, not we, too bad. This happens with two parters because yeah. it's not like we have two sets of, of plot to yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's like it's basically one big episode with yeah. very similar flaws throughout it. That's part of what made it worse. If it was just a one off like one episode that I would have liked it. Yeah, we could have like, we would have ignored it and gone on and like moved on, but it just yeah. it kept being on. Yeah, and I I'm sorry, I just I can't hear like I can't think of like trying to think objectively. I can't think of a way that this is a good episode. Like, no, the characters don't really go through any growth or change, and we don't really like. There's no interesting plot because everything goes back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. There's no like everything's ah. it's just fucking dumb and boring and preachy and. Yes, the preachiness was the really the worst. Part. It really is. Like I there can was, deal with boring. There was out of the combined ninety minutes, there was literally probably twenty minutes. No kidding, of people just delivering speeches about yep. how how could they let this happen? Well, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You just you go in your house and you don't think about it. Yeah. That's that's how we let it happen. Yeah, I, I get that. But like I said, it's not like anybody out there is pro homeless. No. 
Very few people are like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, this all checks this out. This is all in order. Yep. This is exactly the way I want. You're doing a great job there, sir. You lie yeah. in that gutter. Yep. Nice work. <laughs> all right. So, uh, next week, thankfully, Hat Guy will be gone. So I'll be happy about yes. that. We never have um, to watch Hat Guy again, as far as I know. Nope. Although, like I said, it seems like the the way they treated him, like he was so important, maybe he shows up in a book or something. I don't uh, know. I'm going to burn that book. <laughs> burning books is bad, Matt. Nah, not do we need to do case. a preachy episode about how burning books is oh, bad? Oh, man, I think we might have to. Are you going to uh, Fahrenheit... Wait. Are you going to Fahrenheit 351 me? 451. 451. I had to, f- I had to figure out if it was 451 or 911. <laughs> You, so you just split the difference. Fucking Michael Moore ruins everything. You had to you had to convert it because actually in in Canada they call it uh, Celsius two five one <laughs> or something. All right, our website postatomichorror dot com, our Tumblr postatomichorror dot tumblr dot com. Check it out. Uh, our uh, email is postatomichorror at gmail. One uh, quick bit of Star Trek news that I wanted to discuss real quick since we are running short. We could talk oh, about yes. this for a second. Uh, they picked the director for the new Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Robert uh, Orkey? R- Roberto Orkey. Roberto Orkey? Yes. He, uh, there, there is some controversy about the choice. A mm-hmm. um, couple of like, well, I don't care issues and then one sort of serious issue. Yeah. Uh, his politics are, are nutso. Mm-hmm. which I don't care, whatever. But he's a crazy 9-11 truther yeah. who thinks the government orchestrated 9-11, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Also, kind of a dick. Yeah, kind, kind of a dick, apparently. He he attacks fans online, like like goes on message boards and yells at them. Well, yeah. you, the reason you don't like this movie is because you don't get what we were doing. No, the reason we don't like this movie is because it was bad. Yeah. Well, two-thirds of it were good. Two-thirds yeah, of it were it, bad. Re- regardless, it's And lazy. Not, it's just, it's, it's not... A good thing to go and pick arguments with, you know, yeah. your critics online. That's don't just... don't be that guy. What are you, John Byrne? Fucking yeah. no. But again, that's that's not a reason to to dislike his choice. Uh, the main reason is that he has absolutely no directorial um, experience yeah. whatsoever. That and I've that I, the worrying. argument the argument is okay. Well, yeah, neither did like Jonathan Frakes. Nobody directed a fuck ton of TV. Neither did, you know, a lot of people who do, like, the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. No, but they did a lot of smaller movies. Yeah. Or, you know, like, like a lot of people have their first big-budget movie, but nobody, nobody's first big-budget movie is their first directing job no. ever. That's just, like, no. That's very... I mean, look, it's not impossible that he'll do a good job. No, and I'm hoping he will. Yeah. Like, he's, he could be the, the part of that writing team that, that wrote the stuff we like. I don't yeah. know, like... He he definitely is capable of generating good stuff. That first movie is still fantastic, mm-hmm. but you know it, it is a little worrying. I'm and I'm not going to be that guy who says um you know I I'm predisposed to not like it now. I'm not going to make you know I'm I'm not going to judge until I see it. Mm-hmm. But but it is a little troubling that it, it's a little troubling to me that Paramount or CBS or whoever it is now is treating Star Trek like it's this is going to be the 50th anniversary movie. Yeah, this is going to be a huge thing. And they're just like, ah, give it to that guy. Why yeah, not? whatever. This should be a bigger deal than mm. that. That's all I'm saying. Like, this is a big franchise that you have been trying to relaunch for the past few years. Yeah, like, and, and Doctor Who just had its 50th anniversary and did a good job of of realizing what that meant. Like, not only do they have a big special that involved several of the, the recent, you know, uh, people from the show, but they also did, a, like, a documentary, and they also did some stuff with the other Doctor. Like, they, they mm-hmm. really got into the history of it. And I feel like Star Trek's just going to have a movie, and that's it. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. 
I mean, 50 years is, you know, apart from Doctor Who, fairly unprecedented. That is for a... uh, not really something to sneeze at. No. I mean, for something to continuously be going. There's yeah. been a couple of gaps, but for the most part, Star Trek's been going nonstop from, since 1967, 66, I, something like that. I, I feel like 66, but I couldn't. I think 66 was the cage and 67 was like when the show yeah. proper started. So I don't know when they count it, but it's it's going to be 50 years soon. Mm-hmm. And I just would like them to do, you make know, a, make a big deal. Know, out make of it. a big deal out of it. Maybe yeah. something. Yeah. A little something, I mean, something. You know, there's been what? Four TV series, four major TV series and like 12. 11 movies and 12, yeah, 12 movies by that point. And, you know, countless books and comics and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. But we will see what happens. I'm not gonna, you know, no. not gonna judge. All right. But we will and be much like uh, much like Trek Two when it does come out. I will be going down to America. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I will be living in America at that point. So. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll go see it together, and you know, even if it has its problems, I'm sure we'll we'll you know be excited about a yes. lot of it. So. We will see. All right. Uh, let's not do this anymore. Okay. So say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.